This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because the only thing I care about more than football is spicy pepperoni pizza for kickoff. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. Now that's a spicy offer. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at $9.99 each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply. Hello, good evening, how the devil are you? Welcome along. Uh, some breaking news. Fafana's injured and he's going to be out for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm cut up about it as well. This is Leicester Die Die, it's the press conference review. Good evening, how are you? Here we go. It's time. Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Tonight Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts.
Till I Die TV. Your first choice for everything Leicester City. Tune in and join in now. And now, here's your host. All right, Chris. All right. How yeah. Did I say that out loud? Grazing, good evening, Gray. How the devil are you? Hope you are well. Um, this is Leicester Till I Die TV, available on all your main social medias. Twitter, at Leicester TID. We're on Twitch. We're on uh, TikTok. We are on everything. Um, and, of course, we have a radio station now as well as doing podcasts. So we are everywhere. If you go to um, the website, you can find where we all are. There's links to everything in there. Uh, all you need to do is go to www.lestertillidie.com. Um, I'm not sure where my co-host has gone at the moment. I think he's honest, Brad. No, don't do it, Brad. Don't do it. Come back. Come back. Don't don't do it. <laughs> I thought I thought you were jumping. I thought we've won a game. Come back. No, in. No, no. No, the, the window's not wide enough for me to get out. So you've got me. You're still <laughs> around for now. Uh, oh, dear. Lester fan, hi. How are you? Welcome along. And True Red's in. Well done, mate. Welcome along. Welcome back. Um, um, it's the missus' birthday next Tuesday. Going to buy her a city top. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's a forest fan, mate. <laughs> uh, I would, I would expect more than just one night on the sofa. <laughs> so you had a, you had a night on the sofa when we beat them, uh, but uh, <laughs> lived dangerously. But hey, this is for her. This is for her. Have a happy birthday from us to you. Indeed, wish her a happy birthday from everybody at Leicester till I die. If you're going to get her a cake, just put four candles on it. No, no, not four candles. Four candles. No, no, let's not go there. But <laughs> for Farner, I've got to touch on it. And yes, I'm an adult and he's not our player anymore. And I, I, I shouldn't wish harm to come to every any player, although I did wish him. You could blame me because I did wish that he would break his leg, if you remember. Um but it's funny, isn't it? You can't you can't help but feel a little bit with a smile. It's never nice at professional football at the end of the day. It is what it is. He's made his better line it. But when you feel mistreated and, and betrayed the way he did at club, you can't help but feel like, well, that's a little bit calmer setting room. Obviously, I do hope that he comes back to the football field. I don't want anyone's career cut short. But yeah, it wasn't yeah. it was met with a little bit of probably Un- unhinged mm. smugness by from Leicester fans that yes. he's uh, injured. A problem I, they I, have with the famous getting injured, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> well, Bruce James and now him. So maybe they may, talk about our set piece coach who's done wonders since he joined us. Maybe they need to work on their defensive coach because he seems to be able to injure them when they go out there. Maybe, maybe so. And like I say, you know, it, it's, I would, I don't. And I can say I did say, and I'll put my hands up. I did say, you know, I hope that he breaks his leg, but obviously I don't want it to be career ending, you know. But it's just all this kind of if he just left in the normal way. But I think what pissed everybody off, and I'm not going to go into in too much detail, but it, it, was, it was just the way he did it, the going on strike and all that. Yeah, yeah. If it had he done a Maguire, signed the deal, and got this the money, and then booked it off Chelsea, it'd have been. No arm, no foul sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And look, uh, 
Karma yeah. works in mysterious ways, but all the best in his recovery as well, I guess. It's bittersweet, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, but all I will say is that this did kind of spring to mind. It's time for the smug face. <laughs> I can't resist it. Anyway, you've not watched it. I've not watched it. Hopefully, we, at least we might get a smile this week. But it is the press conference time. Um, great. Oh, great as well as Mike's in. Good evening, Mike. How are you? Enjoy the darts at seven, mate. Thanks for popping in. Uh, Spencer's in. Hello and static. Good evening, sir. How the devil are you? Um, right. Here we go, then. So let's sit back. Let's enjoy it. If we can. Well, we've got to enjoy it, haven't we? We've won a game, for God's sake. Yeah, well, you know, we actually saw some movement on the touchline in the game, didn't we? So hopefully he's a bit more energetic in his press conference. Somebody did say, was he attached to one of those, you know, those shot things that you can buy? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. <laughs> you jump up. Yeah, well, do you, remember, do you remember the game we won against Everton? I think it was VAR, Nacho scored, and we won like the deck. And we won it at the yeah. depth, and then all the players went around and celebrated. It reminded me of that game a bit. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's been in an electric chair. Yes, I have got too much time on my hand, I am sure, because I was looking at this early, and I thought it just made a a, a little bit of a nice comparison. Derby, when they finished that season with eleven points, they only scored twenty goals. So there is Leicester and Forest because. In a way, I, I wouldn't mind Forrest beating Derby, to be honest with you. But I am going to update that as we go through the weeks and see, uh, make sure we can catch it. But we still got, we still got that eleven to uh, to make. But I'm no doubt we will, though. I feel a lot more confident about it than I was before the Forest game. Let's put it that way. It was very <laughs> fortunate that we played Forest on a Monday, not Villa, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Gray says here. Watch door, he was absolutely gutted. Ah, you know, it was just don't watch if you watch doors back, do watch Mello, who's one of his guests on. He was absolutely he, he, he was he was bitter. He was bitter. Let me just put it that way. Right, news conference time. Here we go. Um, oh, True Reds just said you beat us fair and square. We're still adapting. Tell you what, all I'll say on leave it on the list. I hope you stick with Cooper because you have had a lot of changes. I think he is the man to take you forward, and I think you'll stay up this season anyway, uh, Forrest. But here we go. Let's enjoy the press conference and then we'll have a chat about it afterwards. Brendan, over to you. <laughs> How's the team today? Uh, any injury concerns ahead of Bournemouth? Uh, yeah, team's looking very good, yeah. Obviously, delighted with uh, with Monday night, so now on to our next game. In terms of the squad, uh, we've got Wilf and Didi, who'll probably be out for a little bit. He obviously came back from international duty with a um, with a minor hamstring strain. Um, had recovered well here, but it's, it's just felt that at half time in the game, it was uh, it was a little sore again, so he's probably going to miss miss a few weeks. Uh, Papi Mendy, uh, uh, an issue with his knee, uh, so may struggle for the weekend, but every everyone else should be fine. You mentioned that Monday's win. Have you seen an extra bounce in training this week? Extra smiles? Yeah, well, I said before the game, I think it was a, a season changing game that could 
change the mood really for uh, for the team and, and, and the supporters. And I've definitely sensed that, that there's no doubt. Um, it was not, not just the the manner and the result, but the, of course the performance level. And um, I think what we've seen more is that connection between the, the players and the supporters back again, because it's it's such a such a big game in the region and uh, the, the supporters certainly would have felt uh, after the game and seeing the energy in the team and, and how they played. So, um, so yeah, so when you perform to that level, and, and like I said, it was the, the scoreline away at Tottenham, I didn't think was reflective of the performance. You know, when I look at all the, the physical data in the game, uh, those two games were very, very similar and very, very close, but we just get punished a little bit by being a little bit too open and uh, in the latter stages of that game. So, uh, but no, we, we took that positivity into the game the other night and uh, yeah, it was a very good performance. And James Madison said after the match that beforehand you showed mm. uh, the team clips of last year's defeat to Forest and a few comments about what Pundit said. What prompted that? Well, you're always looking to find ways to to stimulate the, the players and, um, and these guys are competitive players and and I think everyone was hurt after that that previous game. So um, it's never about revenge, but you know, in football, you always get another opportunity. And uh, we felt that this was a game, and in particular in the circumstances that we're in, was going to be a great opportunity for us. So um, so we just reminded the players of of that feeling back then. Uh, and also the, uh, the, the desire that's needed to win a football. We've got some fantastically gifted football players, but you can't win games of football without having a desire and mentality to, and a collectivity to, um, uh, to work hard and, and defend well. So um, it was just, there was questions being raised on us back then and uh, it was a great opportunity to respond. And I know you've spoken a lot about James Madison mm -hmm. recently, but I just wanted to ask off the pitch, have you seen him become a leader within this team? Always the likes of Cashbush Michael, Wes Morgan of the party in recent seasons. Has he really developed into a leader in this squad? There's absolutely no doubt his uh, his maturity on and off the pitch has, has developed, but that, that's what happens with growth. And, you know, if you're 10 years of age, you're totally different at 15, 16 minutes. It's no different, you know, coming in here James in his early 20s, he's now mid-20s and he's developing and improving uh, on the pitch and outside in his life. So um, for me, he's always been that. His uh, He talks the game so well because he has a passion for it and a love for it. Uh, but he's definitely a, a, a very, very respected voice within the, within the squad. One for our younger players. You know, they've seen him come through. He's, he's a boy from the, the Midlands. They've seen his career develop and they see what the top player he is. So they have a huge respect for him. And and because of James's personality, I can imagine when he was 16, 17, he would have no fear of going in among senior professionals um, and then being a voice then. So um, so he's exactly the same now. He, he, he sees the game really, really well. He calls the game really well. Um, and like I said, that's... He's, he's a very, very important player for us on and off the pitch. And Jamie Vardy had a few chances against Forrest. How have you assessed his season so far? Jamie's been working very, very hard for the team. And OK, the goals maybe have not come for him yet. But again, you know, Jamie's role for us is um, 
like I said, it's still very, very important whether he's on the pitch or whether he's off the pitch. You know, he's uh, he's a player I just felt that needed to start the game uh, on Monday night, you know, and just his authority there is, especially at home where he's, you know, he's got a great connection with the crowd was, was very important for us. But whether Jimmy plays or not, whether he scores or not, in the remainder of his time here at the club is going to be so important for me and, and for the rest of the players because of his experience, because of what he brings and uh, because of his mindset. Just finally from you, Brendan, ahead of Bournemouth, the <clears> away <throat> form hasn't been the best in these two wins <clears throat> out of 18. How do you go about improving the away form? Well, we're hoping that uh, the, the performance on Monday night will, will help galvanise that. There's no doubt that our form in, in general hasn't been good enough this season but uh, but we feel the change in mood now so we go there with a real determination we know it'll be a hard game against uh, against Bournemouth obviously guys come in there and in a short period of time they've really sort of closed the pitch up uh, not having the ball so much um, but uh, but looking to contain and and but I still know they have quality so uh, so for us we need to go there now and, and play our game I think that's that's important for us to to play the football that we know that will get us results, Homan away, and uh, and we look to see if we can you know win after winning, which I've always said is important. Thank you. Brendan, hi. hi. Um, so building on that theme of, of stats, data, building on the performance, the result that you've just had, you're very aware, I'm sure, that you concede too many goals away from home. Have you had one clean sheet in around 30 Premier League games? Is that something you're focusing on at the moment? An area to improve, obviously? Always. Always. I think that, um, listen, if you can keep a clean sheet, then great. And that's always the uh, the mantra going to, to any game and any team. You want to fundamentally be be strong defensively. Um, but it's always it's always both sides of the game in order to win. You know, our objective is to, to win the game. And uh, you can win a game, and maybe okay, you maybe not have a clean sheet, but uh, but if you can win the game, then then that's what you want to do. So uh, if a clean sheet comes with that, then it's it's important. But um, but I think we've seen the other night the how connected the team were, both with and without the ball, and and that's a standard that we need to maintain. And I guess nobody needs to tell you that that result the other night will mean so much more if you can then back it up in the succeeding games yeah. starting with this one yeah i said uh, before monday night's game that we had a real challenging fixture list at a difficult time um but this run of games now between now and the uh, uh the the break before the world cup gives us a, a chance to accumulate points and it's it's an opportunity where very quickly you can find yourself in the middle of the table so uh but it's just each game you know, we, we put a big focus into to Monday's game. It's the same now. We prepare, put our plan together. Players have got a real bounce now and, and the fluency and everything looks, you know, really, really good. So uh, so we need to now take that energy, that mentality into our next game and, and that's the focus. You mentioned getting, you know, into the foothill from the foothills <clears throat> into the middle of the table. That's where Bournemouth are and they're actually not that far ahead of you. So... Again, not a must-win by any means, but a very big one for you to close that gap. Yeah, I just think it's it's game on game. You know, the the race will be decided at the end of the season. 
where everyone's at. So that's a long, long way off. Um, but we just know that if we can perform to the level that we did the other night and keep that intensity, then we're going to win a lot more football matches. And so that's the plan. They have a caretaker manager at the moment. That's not an, an easy role to fulfil. What have you made of them in the last few games? I mean, I think they're unbeaten in four now. Yeah, I was obviously disappointed for Scott when he left because he'd done a, a great job getting them up. And uh, and clearly it, uh, something wasn't quite right where he's he's then then left. Gary obviously coming in and uh, I think he's done really, really well. Uh, I'm delighted to see because he was, he was a really good player. Gary, I remember watching him in his career and excellent players come into coaching, worked at Liverpool for a, a period and I know what a great club Liverpool is, so that would have been a good education for him. And then moving to um, uh, moving to Bournemouth and, and being into the hot seat fairly quickly, I think he's done a, a really good job. So, uh, so yeah, has looked to make them difficult to beat, but they get some really, really good players there as well. And, and Ryan Christie, one of them I know really, really well. Ryan was outstanding for me at, at Celtic. Got his move to, to Bournemouth and... Uh, I know he's a top-class player. So it's a game, a game we have to be, uh, you know, at the really top of our game to get the result. And uh, that's what our aim is. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Okay, we've got five from these seasons. Hi there, Brent. Oh, hi, that's loud. Um, uh, just having talked to Ken and Dewsbury Hall the other day, I just had a couple about him, really. Um, what have you made of him this season and the contribution he's made? I think what you get with Kieran is, no matter how he's playing, he gives that industry and he gives his all in the team. I think that collectively um, it's, it's been tough, but uh, for him as an individual, it's probably that first period since he's come into the team where he's probably, where the team hasn't been at, at, at its best. But but what I know with Kieran is he's got such a hunger to learn and, and improve. And I think you've seen that dynamism in his game the other night. He's obviously a local guy, so he's very determined to... Uh, uh, to get the result, but um, but now he's um, he's a fantastic young man who's who's developing really well over this last twelve months or so in the Premier League, and um, and I've always said he's only going to get better, and uh, yeah, he's he's still got much to learn and much to improve on, but but he wants to do that, which is important. What is next for him? What does he have to improve on? Well, for him, I think it's just the the understanding of the game. Is that continuation of, you know, once he understands the game better, or at times he'll, you know, play and see the game quicker. But what he has is you get this wonderful, refreshing energy and same the other night, he's non-stop in the game. He can break lines with, with the ball. He presses the game ever so well. And I think it's just that continuation for him to look to create goals, score goals. And like I say, uh, at times play me less touches on the ball, which moves the ball quicker. But these are all things that will come to his game the more game time he gets at this level. Well, I think with the greatest respect, it's if you only look at talent, then of course there's been so many players. That's why when you go to the local parks, I'm pretty sure in Leicester there's some amazing boys that were incredible talents when they were younger. 
but being a football player and being a professional, it's more than that. You know, it's it's really about the attitude uh, and the resilience to get through uh, traumas that you'll have as a as a player and and, and growing up. So um, so yeah, it's listen. Anyone can identify the talent, but it's uh, you always want the working talent, and that's what's important. And uh, like we had, you know, we we had a, a great night with our under twenty ones the other night, you know. Beaten Bradford, where we had nine players uh, that played in that starting eleven that was here in the foundation ages from under eights. So that shows you there the, the you know the the growth that's here at the club and the talents that's here. But it's they, they've got to keep developing and keep improving, and that will be about their attitude because they're they're here at this level because they have the talent. But it's the ones with the 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 best attitude, the ones with the ability to get over the upsets and not playing so well and also of course dealing with pressure because it's a it's a different pressure as you progress through so um so yeah but talent even you could probably spot one i'm sure but uh but uh it's 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 more than that and that's what you judge it on a day-to-day basis when you're assessing players okay. before we go to owen we'll just get the first mic um which uh, sounded a lot better <laughs> Hi, Brendan. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> um, you mentioned that Papi Mendy uh, obviously has picked up uh, a knee injury. You said he'd be out for this weekend. Is it is it just this weekend that he's maybe struggling for, or is there a bit of a is there a longer term thing? Maybe no, we don't think so. We just had a clash of knee in training the other day, and it just come up a little bit swollen. So um, our doctor and medical team have. I said this morning it's probably highly going to be unlikely that he'll be involved in the weekend, but hopefully rejoin the team after that. With uh, Wilfred and Didi out, and with and with Papi out as well, it gives a, an opportunity again for Buba Sumari, doesn't it? And you spoke about him wanting to change his Leicester City story and wanting to stay at, at the football club. What are you looking for from him over the next few weeks to kind of complete that and uh, and move that next you know into the next chapter of that story? Yeah, I think with Bub, I think we have to recognise as well, and and this is the the, the problem now with uh, with modern football is that there's no time given to to players. You know, I remember a time away back coming through whenever you know a top a top class player would have went to Liverpool Football Club when they were a, an R, but uh, but back then when they were the sort of top team. And they would sign a top player and you wouldn't then hear of them for about a year. And then all of a sudden they would appear again, right? And there was never any questions asked. They were in the back, learning the trade, playing with high top level players. And then when they were ready, they would be brought into the, the team. And then they would go on and normally have a really good career. Nowadays, because of the, the spotlight, everything's on the player to be ready now. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And if he's not ready now, people then want to say, "Well, what's what's wrong? Has he had a fallout with the manager, or you know, is he not settled in the changing room? Does he not like the training? Does he?" There's always everything. This is a guy's come in at twenty-one odd years of age into a new style, a new country. We didn't speak so much the language, and that first twelve months has been a really, really tough, but a really educational adaption for him. 
and he had a really good preseason and he's done really well. And I think now the next step for him is to to show that consistency because he'll get an opportunity now to come in. And uh, and for me, the improvements is just that little bit more anticipation. But it was always going to take time. It's the same with Patson Daka. And I see now him really starting to believe and have settlement here as a Premier League player. So it's just time and it's patience and not wanting them to be ready. There's very few that come in and be like Erlen Haaland that come in. <laughs> and that's, this is a, a generational talent who's, who's amazing. But most players take that little bit of time to adapt. And, uh, and Bubba's been one of them, but we can all see he has big qualities. And hopefully he can uh, show them in his time here. Do you, when you look at him now, do you see a player that's had that full adaption time, or is there still a little bit more for him, for him to to continue that adaptation, yeah. or is it easier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think he's, he's settled well. Again, another guy who's become a father and matured, and you know, understanding life a wee bit better and understanding what it takes to succeed in the Premier League because he's coming from a different rhythm of game. In, in France, coming to here, it's so high intensity. The beauty with Bubba is that he has all the physical qualities to play and be a really top player at this level. Uh, he has the, the technical qualities where he can take the ball and keep the ball moving quickly for us. And it's just him now adapting to what we want in terms of our pressing and uh, and filling spaces at the right moments. So, um, so yeah, so he's... He's a fantastic player, and uh, and I think over the time, he'll he'll prove that here. But time is important. You mentioned a little bit earlier about the importance of of backing up Monday's result against uh, against yeah. Bournemouth at the weekend. Uh, as when you're preparing these players as the manager, what kind of messages do do you have to give them? If you have to give them anything at all about the the importance of that? Yeah, but well, I think when you've gone the period of time that we have without winning then it's uh, the feeling from the other night that goes back into the player's mindset again and what that feeling was like, but also what it takes to win games of football in the Premier League. Uh, for us, we should have won, but hadn't. But I think the messages are simple, that we need to maintain the level. And we've set a standard now of intensity and, and mentality, and you have to live that now. And... Uh, and bring that into your game, which I can see the determination in the players uh, after the other night. And that's why I said beforehand, I think it was a game that can really uh, be a springboard for us going forward. So it's a mid-changing game. I sense that. And uh, and hopefully the supporters feel much, much better after that because it's been tough for them as well. But, uh, but now we get that connection again, take that same mentality, and that aggression into the game and, uh, and look to get three points. Uh, tactically, I wonder what you, you've you made to what Gary O'Neill's done at Bournemouth since since taking over as uh, as an interim manager. Well, I think when they conceded the goals away at Bournemouth, then Gary's come in and looked to, uh, to make them very hard to beat. They've obviously conceded a lot of possession in the game, um, kept their lines very tight together and normally that bit deeper. And um, like I say, look to then, with the possession that they have, look to uh, create problems for the other team. They've been defending in a 4-4-2 structure, but with the ball, uh, had a couple of different shapes that they've they've morphed into. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so 
I've analyzed a lot and, and looked at them a lot and uh, yeah there's a lot of good things to to like about them so uh, so we know we have to play well to to get the points they're coming off the back of a clean sheet against Brentford and uh, they'll look to uh, look to be strong and, and hard to beat also so uh, so yeah it's um we've analyzed them a lot and uh, and hopefully we can bring out the details in our game and and see uh, see what it brings does the the fact that they of their real organized defensive shape make the transition maybe a little bit more important on on saturday or is it still that kind of uh, build up play that that may be the way to to break that that defensive organization down well, always depends how far and how deep they are you know the there's four phases to the game you you're obviously building up your game as as if teams want to press or not press you have to prepare the game well through your midfield but then the for us it's about arriving into the, the final third of the pitch as, as fast as we can and that's when you arrive into that incision phase of the game and also your goal scoring phase so uh so all those elements we did that very very well i think if you look at our fourth goal the other night comes from our build up from the keeper playing us playing it quickly getting through the lines eventually with uh James crossing for Patson to score. So that's a perfect example of build-up playing as a demonstration of why you build the game, you know, to try and exploit those spaces. But it's always the the balance. It's, it's, it's not always short when you're building the game. Sometimes you have to go over the build-up. So it always depends on what the opponent and how they want to play. They want to press you higher. They want to sit off. But either way, for us, it's about us bringing our authority to the game, imposing our way in the game and being aggressive in the game. A final one from me, Brendan, but it was being reported yesterday that Robert Huth had returned uh, to, to the club as the, the loans manager mm. at the moment. What what will he be able to bring to that role and, and how important a role is that for, for you as a manager who clearly wants to develop mm. as much youth as possible? Yeah, well, I think it's a great appointment for the club. Um, there was a number of really, really good candidates that uh, that you know, had applied for the job. and But Robert brings a, a huge experience. You know, if you go back to, you know, he, he moved away from home as a young guy uh, from East Germany back then when he when he first came to Chelsea. So he's, he's got the understanding of being away as a young player, made his life over here in, in England. And uh, so all those experiences, plus his experience of being here at Leicester City and, uh, understanding the area and understanding the club, that obviously counts for a lot. So I think he, he'll he'll be a huge benefit to the club. You know, he's a really respected player. He's a good guy. I knew him as a young player at, at Chelsea when he was 18, 19 years of age. Just to see him now and see the career that he's had, it's great to have him here. But I also think it's great when I look around the club. You know, after training, I was talking to him and Emil Heskey on the field and. It's great to have those players uh, around that have that big experience uh, of the club, but also have the uh, the best intentions for the club. And uh, you know, I look at Jerry Taggart; I see big Jerry around the the club as well, and Matty Elliott and all these guys. So I think it's great to have uh, those former players involved and the passion and that they can bring to the roles is is important. And and Huthy will do that and really help and inspire, I'm sure, our young players before they arrive into the first team. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast.
Broadcasting live worldwide. Indeed, we are. Um, <laughs> Brad, <laughs> I still fall asleep. He's just got one of those voices, hasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he does, and that's probably because he's always said that he wants to manage and it doesn't give out too much with the way he speaks. He's very monotone, and mm. you know the press didn't really have too much to moan about when you win four 0 So it was a bit of a mundane press conference as well, really. He was, but it felt a little bit more upbeat. You know, he looked a little bit more upbeat. Uh, but I still look at some of these questions. I'm no journalist, um, and I, I, I used to work with, with journalists, obviously, for the last 20 years. I worked in newspapers. But, you know, it, when they say, like, oh, clean sheets, you've only kept one in 30, whatever it is, is this something you're looking to, to, to improve? I mean, no shit, Sherlock. What a question that's going to be, really. Yeah. You answer it yourself. Yeah, I know. What's he expecting to go? No, we want to keep conceding goals. It's the objective to concede goals throughout the season and make sure we just all we need to do is make sure we score more that, 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 I mean like I said I mean they, they, they've got to ask questions to get to the and a, a rapport on it but mm. sometimes you don't feel like you're asking a, a stupid question you should get a stupid answer really but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love him to have just come back and said something on that. Right, quickly before we talk, we're just going to go through a few hellos. Um, Leicester fan is in. Is Rogers staying uh, after four 0 win? Jury's still out, but I think it obviously gives him the time. Um, we've got to win this weekend, uh, otherwise that means nothing. Um, oh. It's a bit worrying because we don't always do very well at Bournemouth. But um, Bruce apparently, Spencer says, I was just looking for that. He's saying that Bruce has been sacked at West Brom. Um, I know they lost to Preston the other night, but I haven't seen confirmation of that yet. Uh, no, but I mean, that man spectacularly has taken West Brom from when he joined them. They were in the playoffs and that wasn't good enough for them as the manager. Clearly, what they really want is a is, is a season in League One because they're currently in the bottom three of the Championship. Yes, yeah. I don't, the only thing is, yes, let's keep Rogers until Bruce gets another job. Yeah, at least do that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Sumari says Terry is nearly as underrated as Old Brighton. We're going to be coming on to him very quickly. Uh, Charis in uh, Rogers has to win versus Mamoumouskus <laughs> but he just he says Bournemouth there oh predictive yeah. text day Charry oh, welcome along not seen you before you're welcome mate if you're new click that subscribe button please uh, Grey Lester can uh, Sumari can do a job hi Fields in good evening sir how are you uh, True Red normally after a win like that in the next game the team gets brought back down to earth We'll see. We'll see. It's a good point, though, but we'll see. Um, as Gray says there, Hooth. Maybe, maybe they might ask him a bit about defending as well. Um, uh, it's imperative to have the likes of Matthew, Robert, Gary, etc. Yeah, it is. It is. Just for experience, you know, especially with losing losing Casper. Um, and James is in. Good evening, James. How the devil are you? Right, let's go through that then, um, Brad. So, um, how's the team? Indeed, he's injured. Seems to be becoming a bit of a liability. Um, but Mend is also injured. But I think, to be honest with you, 
I put Mendy in my team of the week because I don't think indeed he's particularly on well wasn't on form for me, but Sumari, I forgot about him. He kind of almost jumps in above Mendy, doesn't he? Yeah, he's played a few times this season already. I think he's showing that talent a bit more. And like Brandon said, it was a new country, it's a new tempo of game, it's a new league, everything. And maybe he was a bit naive and a bit short on temper or whatever and thought bigger of himself. And that's why there was rumours he was going to be sold this summer. And he seems to have had a change in attitude. Uh, and he's he really impressed me. In about 45 minutes, I thought... And yeah, obviously we know now it's an injury, but I thought he was better than Ndidi in that second 45. Yes, 3-0 up, it's a bit easier. But if he has a mare and gives the ball away twice and it's only 3-2, it's a different game. But he's always impressed me when he's played this season. So I'm not yeah. as concerned as what I as I was for Ndidi in this. I like interview. I like him, to be honest with you. Um I think there's a lot of players, and I'm not, not just indeed. We, we could we could list them all off uh, that haven't been as good after they've come back from an injury. Uh, we've got Ricardo, who could be coming uh, our second sick note player. Um, but Samari, to me, I would have no worry about putting him in. Um, he had a great, in fairness, he had a great Community Shield a season and a bit ago. Uh, you say went off the boil, but he's a winner. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's come from France, a team that did, if you like, maybe not quite a Leicester, but you know what I mean. You know, they 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 won it against PSG, yeah. and I think he's got a good engine in him. He does, and you know, Brendan's constantly spoke about him being that hybrid player that takes the ball. He almost like a player that goes between Indeedy and Madison. He's like the he's like the mailman, if you will. He picks it up off Indeedy in the work board, and then he'll give it to Madison ish. Yeah, but early in his career, he was more like a Hermes delivery driver, just chucking it over the gate. Getting yeah. over the I love that analogy. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> like a Hermes delivery man. Love it, man. Yeah. That's the comment of the night. <laughs> well, you know, early doors, I'm already getting them in there. That's brilliant. But no, he's, he's tightened it up and he's looked better. And again, like you said, you felt comfortable watching him play. And, and again, maybe indeed he's been that one player that we've been going, right, which one's going to step up and do the better job if he's injured and when he's been injured? And Samora's proven, proven well for that. Yes, yeah. Um, I do remember a few seasons ago, and we'll all remember going to Southampton on a wet Friday night and just demolishing them and sticking nine past them. Oh. And sat there thinking, oh, we should sign him and him and him. <laughs> uh, but... We can remember more the return match almost before the match on the big screens. They played that nine nil, and we lost because obviously it must have it geed Southampton up more than us. But he showed a power. And we didn't hear the question because I think at some point the the hadn't, microphone hadn't caught up. But apparently they showed the FA Cup match versus Forest before Monday's game. I'm all for that. Yeah, I am. Um, I think it was Madison's interview afterwards, and he actually confirmed that, that just before they went out. Um, I don't know if it was just before they literally went out the tunnel or whether it was before they went out for the mm. warm-up, but he said before they went out, they were shown the highlights and reminded them exactly what Forrest did to them and the mistakes they made. Funny enough, because Danny Ward was in goal that game. You know, not bad for the world's worst ever keeper to keep a clean sheet, but uh, I won't mention that too many times tonight. But, you know, it can motivate you. And I think, you know, 
he needed to motivate them. And if they were as together mm. and, and behind Rogers as, as they said they were, these players that have been coming out week in, week out, defending, you know, defending the manager and taking the, the shackles of the responsibility as the players, they proved that with their performance. Because you can say what you like about how Forrest went off the ball and gave us the freedom of our own part. You you don't get that if you don't put the effort in that we did. And, and that, that was that was pleasing as well, that it yes. had a great impact. It was chalk and cheese, you know. And, and, as, and as I say, the, the best way when I'm describing that game to somebody is if you saw the FA Cup match, put put Forest in blue and Leicester in red, and you had Monday night's match. Yeah, <laughs> but we scored in the Cup match. Yeah, yeah, but we did to them exactly what they did to us. You know, we were yeah. first to every second, but it was just a total turnaround. And as Grace says there, it's a good psychological boost to the players. It is. I, I I I didn't like seeing it on the big board because I thought, yeah, this is just going to wind Southampton up, which it did. But I think doing it like that, it's a case of right. Do you want? I don't want yeah. another one of those sort of things. So yes, I'm all for that. Yeah. Now I, I suggested the other day uh, uh, this um, and James Madison. Obviously, with us all talk about Madison at the moment. Funny that, isn't it? It's funny that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he is the um, best English player in that position at the moment, uh, <coughs> Southgate. Um, but he said Madison becoming a leader off the pitch. I mean, when you look at the way he handled the press after the match, you know, he, he was laughing and joking. Yeah, we've just won a game. But even he's not been afraid to come out when we've lost. Um, and I know assistant... Captain or vice captain, I should say, is a bit of a worthless task. But when Evans eventually steps down, or Brighton's not going to become captain, uh, everyone's on about Jewsbury Hall being a future captain. But if he's still here, give the job to Madison. Yeah, I think that's the obvious choice. I think, I think unfortunately, that's what we tried to do with Yuri, but we all know what. <coughs> excuse me. We all know where he's going at the end of the season. It won't be in Leicestershire. Yeah, no. so the natural step would be to give that to Madison. I think given the turmoil and the circumstances at the start of the season and, and, and all the head swaying that was going on with the transfer window, he actually, in hindsight, made the best decision to give it to a dressing room head than he done to give it to a youngster. I think mm. the natural progression would be Evans retires, you give the captaincy to Madison, and then I would give the vice-captaincy to Jewsbury Hall, because that's when I think yeah. the vice-captaincy can be effective, because there's a couple of years difference between them. Granted, people forget that Jewsbury Hall's a little bit older, but still, he's played more, he's been in the game longer than than, uh, than, than Jewsbury Hall, because he had his loan at Coventry in Norwich, as we know beforehand. Um And you can learn off him, you can feed off how he is, and you see these interviews Madison's our go-to guy, but we have started seeing Harvey Barnes and Jews before taking interviews. So there's obviously that intent there to get the younger generation that's coming through and going to be the hopefully the next generation for less than four or five more years at yeah. least taking that step forward. I think sometimes, and I, you, you, I know you obviously um, a cricket fan. Well, not obviously, but you are a cricket fan, and you you, you do the comparisons. And, and the comparison with cricket I always use is that it can sometimes work against it because sometimes you can give an aspiring, brilliant young player that's coming through the captaincy, as in Ian Botham, and it completely just ruin the game. But it's a different 
a captain's got to make a lot more decisions in cricket than he has as a football captain. You know, the yeah, but... manager doing that at the side of the pitch. And what I liked about Madison the other day was was it um I think it was Barnes that shot over the top and collapsed on the floor. I don't know if it was yourself or somebody else that told me, collapsed on the floor. And it was Madison that was going over, going, come on, at least you had a go, you know, you had a shot, come on, you'll hit it next time, sort of thing. Yeah, and and sometimes the thing is, you can take a gamble on the persona. And, and on cricket analysis, we've seen it before, Flintoff was a terrible captain, Ken Peterson was a terrible choice of captain. And sometimes the hierarchy take the gamble that when you're in a bad and sticky situation, which England were at that time, I know both and one, I vaguely remember it. I know how it turned the test completely. I know how he dropped, stripped of the captaincy, and then he came back and we won it headingly and all that. But sometimes you try and gamble on the persona, the biggest persona in the dressing room. And I think the best way to make a comparison would be if we get Vardy for captaincy. Sometimes it's not the wisest thing, but when you're in a bad situation, you chuck it on the hopes that even if it's just temporarily mm. or for the remainder of that season or test or whatever it is, whatever sport you're playing, you're hoping that he can use that to just get the better out of him and it'll figure yeah. itself out on the pitch. Sometimes yeah. it does, more times than not, though it doesn't. And I think it's mm. wise, like I said, that we gave it all bright and the vice captaincy. We made Evans captain after losing, well, not losing, but selling Schmeichel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jamie Vardy then. Uh, he came up um, and Brendan said, Jamie's been working very hard and maybe the goals haven't come yet, but his role is very important. Uh, he's a player that needed to start the game on Monday with his authority, as, we were, as you were just saying, and at home where he has a connection with the fans. The remainder of his time here will be important. We know he's not going to be playing 90 minutes. I think we, you know that's the... the there will be that slow handing over, like changing the guard to um, uh, to, to Dakar. Uh, do you still start Dakar on Saturday? Uh, sorry, start Vardy on Saturday and bring Dakar on, or do you swap it round? Um, I think you swap it around. Um, I know you want to give Vardy, not necessarily a send off season, but you want to get him scored in another way. You saw it throughout the team, the nervousness. I mean, we joked, didn't we, that we'd taken a left foot cheap deflection in 96 minutes of one on Monday night. And yeah. in a way, that's what actually started it. The confidence came from a deflected goal that Madison yeah. put in the lead. And I think you've got to go with the confidence of these players. And Bournemouth mm. have a very good run, but I think you would rather have Dakar, who's got a couple of goals to his name, got a bit more confidence in Jamie this season. He's a confidence player, despite how good he is, he's a confidence player. And if we can get our noses in front and get ourselves in that 2-0, 3-0 position like we were on Monday night, you can roll to reverse it and you can put Barley on and he maybe nicks a goal and then you've got competition right to that starting place. Because we know he's not going to play too up front, so there's no point talking about it. So, yeah, no. I would go with Dakar. <laughs> But in fairness of Jamie Vardy, you know, you know, I, I he is he is an important figure in the dressing room, and I've got to say, I'm, I thought Brendan had a very good press conference and said some very very sensible things. And the fact that he said there about it's at home, Vardy with the fans, he was the he was the choice to start. Looking, yeah. I I didn't pick him, but I can see with what he said why. Um, but he had some really good chances. And a Vardy that's just got, you know, 
back on his game, would have got one or two goals. Yeah, he would have. And Jewsbury Hall would have taken his and Barnes would have had that earlier chance. Mm. He'd have probably scored that. And and it's just the way of football. When you're losing games or you're, you know, and you're struggling, well, we've not been struggling, struggling to concede. It would concede mm. enough, but when you're not on fire, on firing them in, one or a couple of goals a game, and you're not on a nice little run of goals, it you second guess yourself. You maybe move that half a second slower that makes the chance a bit harder. You're, you're heading it and you're almost closing your eyes when you're heading it because you're like, there's the goal. And you realise you're a couple of yards off where you, you know where you need to be heading it. Mm. And then things happen and when they come and go, but you just know with Jamie Vardy because we've seen it time and time again. We have seen it season upon season, especially around Christmas. So I might get a roles reversed this year with the winter break. But when he comes good, you know the goals are going to flow. And, and, and you've seen the attitude and the shoulders are up. This win could be the catalyst for that. If he comes on in the 75th minute when a game's won or against Bournemouth from Saturday and he bangs in an 85th minute equaliser, uh, winner, sorry, you, you, you're expecting then the goals to start flowing. And I've got no worries in Jane Vardy not finding no. the back of that. And, and let's be honest, it's great that we can actually have this conversation that, you know, we've not, because I love Inacho, you know that, and like you, I would have to up front every single time and Inacho would be the, the regular, uh, but it's not going to happen. But the fact that we've now got Daka, because Inacho can't play one up front, the fact that we've got Daka and can have this conversation is is the good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And again, it gives them both, gives him the confidence he needs because let's face it, whether whether when Vardy retires, that changes the prospects of playing two up front because we're going to lose Nacho if we don't get him consistently playing yeah. at some point. Let's face it. And it, if you make that natural transition, he is the Vardy replacement in terms of what he does on the ball. He's quick. He likes the first touch. He can... You know, we've seen the goals he scored. If, if that ball's played in front of him and he hits it first time, his composure in front of goal can be brilliant. And and, and the natural like for like what he does, he's going to have that weight on his shoulders. If we can get him regularly pl- playing enough this season and he's regularly finding there, when that time does come and Vardy goes, OK, I'm going to be the 10-minute man, the frustrating substitute that comes on and knackers you out even more, and he goes and gets, I don't know, five or six goals, you know, you're going to have a very confident forward two, hopefully, going into that transition. And we're not so worried about Barney being in America, managing his football team or whatever yeah. role it is. Not that yeah. Um, just want to highlight a couple of things that I, I discovered. Um, let me do. Uh, this is on the BBC. Um, oh, Leicester eye up Benitez. Um, or Benitez. Leicester City could rival Nottingham Forest to land Rafael Benitez as their next manager if both clubs dispense with their existing bosses. Please, no. Please, Forest, take him. Take him, take him, take him. No, no, no. And I know that um, I know Newcastle fans love him. I think they love him for the wrong reasons, but. There we go, but no. But the one that I'm really interested in, uh, this was Dr. Joe, who obviously are the number one. Uh, I know Brad's not a, a great um, fact and figure man, but Opta are, are, are the top in that field. Uh, since the start of last season, James Madison has been directly involved in prem- 26 Premier League goals, 17 goals and nine assists, the second most of any English player in that time, Harry Kane on 34, and yet overlooked. 
sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, frustratingly, it does. But um, and this is the problem. This this is where, as a nation, because we're more the most predominant to growing our our own talent and have them here in terms of Madison, Grealish, and, and etc. Being playing their predominant football in England. If you want to break up this top six and, and, and open the league up more, you need to make the decision in the FA and you need to stop getting your little, I will bend over and take it dry, yes, men, in charge. And you need a manager who's not a capella that's going to buy ketchup on the training ground or whatever, yeah. but you need a manager who's actually not going to spout bullshit and actually stick to what he says. If you're going to pick on, don't come out and say, I'm going to pick on form and then pick your five best mates. We need a manager that's going to look at these players, whether they're playing for Bournemouth, whether they're playing for Leicester or Brighton, doesn't matter, and going, he's on red up form, yeah. you're getting picked for my games. Because if you don't, you're going to give any English future prospect going, oh, I could go and sign for West Ham or Leicester, but I'm never going to play for my country. So, yeah, I'll go and sit on Chelsea's bench and wait until I get picked. Mm. And it's really frustrating. You're going to set football back. So please, FA, get your fingers, get your thumbs, get your toes out your own arse and actually stop picking a bend over and fist me dry guy that's going to say yes to everything you do and let a manager with a bit of charisma and a brain cell manage our national side. Yeah. Now, and if don't wanted to get this into a Southgate thing in and out, but I agree. The thing was that annoys me is that's how he was when he started. That's what he said. But obviously words... A one thing. Um, yeah. Politicians, uh, mate, you're a great one. Yeah. Just a couple of things. In fact, Terry, I'll, I'll mention it now before we move back to the conference. But, Gray, first of all, uh, next season, Walkers are going to sponsor us again. Walkers are sponsor, are renewing. Uh, they're not going to sponsor us as in sponsor. They're going to sponsor the women's team. They're getting behind That's the women's brilliant. team, which is nice to see, Walkers. And they are getting, um, they're renewing. I don't know if it's one of the stands or something like that. The full story is on lessuntilidie.com. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> it uh, it just gave me a chance to plug that. Uh, but, That's yeah, really they, they are getting back involved. Well, they're not getting back. They are still involved with us. They're extending it. And PepsiCo, who own Walkers, are very much behind women's football. Or soccer, as they want oh, yeah. to call it. Uh, so the fact that they're getting involved with the Leicester women's team, it's got to be great because they're a big name, big money. Let's have them back. Does that mean um, we're going to get the old-fashioned nineties Walker style back on the women's game? We're going to go, we're going back in time. The yes. done with the red strip. If you could turn back time, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, exactly. Is that kind of just exactly. there, we there we go. There we go. Uh, Terry says. Uh, made the most of oh. Bournemouth game. The Yanks are taking them over tonight, aren't they? We don't think they're going to take them over. The Yanks are coming over to talk at the possible buyout of Bournemouth. Um, they he's a guy that's based in Las Vegas. Um, unfortunately, he's not staying over there, he's coming over here. Uh, he speaks a very good game. Uh, he's not out of the concave glazier mold, apparently. Uh, he built up a team in Vegas from nothing. Um, and so we'll we'll wait and see. Good luck to them. You know, we can't I, I, I'm all for investment in other teams. Um 
we've got investment. Why shouldn't other teams like Newcastle? So good luck to them. I hope they get it. Yeah. Uh, they're a nice little club, and where they play and the training ground, they, they need they need somebody with that money behind them to take them to that. Yeah. Next just please, team. just just please don't come over here and be like that bowling moron that Chelsea have in charge of them. The world's no. still Super League and A Star League, man. Yes. Leave, it, leave it in Vegas, mate. If that's what come yeah. up. Leave that idea in Vegas. Yes. Stay, yeah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. We'll keep that whole idea there if that's what we're thinking. Exactly. Well, like I said, please do have a North versus South. We're in the Midlands. We'll miss it. Uh, that was sure, says Gray. <laughs> One of my better impersonations, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Watch. We've got a show coming up on the radio very soon, which is basically just cheesy songs all night and dad jokes. So cheese and dad jokes show and there's a story about sure on there so stay tune in for that one um soon it will be the walkers crisp stadium if it happens um it was nearly the walkers bowl when we first moved in so that was because uh, we had american loanies to own the stadium didn't they that was the yes, joke i yeah. was the walkers bowl defense um yeah of course we're going to look at defense and i'm not saying that this new guy has immediately help things out but i think he's certainly taking us in the right direction we were trying different things from set pieces and of course set pieces yeah. defending as well as attacking it's nice to see who's back isn't it i mean uh <laughs> what the guy and you've got to play and like brendan alluded to you know they're not going to not ask him things or i'm sure knowing who's as, as we remember him he's not going to be shy in coming forward if he sees something that that could be met you know could be put right. No, definitely not. I think you might even tell him rather than ask him sometimes as well about things. But no, it's good to see one name that didn't get mentioned in that, and I and it is on the Lesser Till I Die uh, Facebook page as well. This article, um, Sean St. Ledger, who may a few may remember more from the championship yes. game. He's yes. also part of our coaching staff now, scouting in Ireland, his hometown, but he's also doing. He has, yes, he has been for quite a while. He's, he's over yeah. in Ireland, yeah, because he's obviously. He's from Ireland, so it makes yeah, funny sense. enough. It's yeah. funny how that works, isn't it? But no, it's, it's yeah. good to have, and I think you always need it in the football, football aspects in terms of your coaching. Um, but yeah, it's good, and people might think that that set piece and coach is going to take a while. Like, yes, it is. It's not going to eradicate things. But what I really liked, Chris, and I'm gutted because of the game, stupid Monday nights. But because of me travelling and go, coming back to Leicester at the moment where I am and that, we've not been able to do a tactic board, right? Because I really wanted to look at the tactics, didn't I? And I like to talk about that three-pronged yeah. three press. You know, we had both mm. defending and attacking set pieces. We were at the edge of the box. We weren't in the box like we have been. We were at the edge of the box and it was it was three players in, in, in probably pace order, like Vardy, Dewsbury Hall and then fast uh, were attacking the ball and, and vice versa defending it. So you're already seeing the effects of a new coach. Imagine mm. what can happen when you teach the defence how to defend. No. Um, yes, he did. True. Uh, Huth did play for um, Stoke before he signed us. Uh, James remembers St. Ledger. Walsh is around the club as well. He, he, he mentioned tags. Walsh is there as well. They, 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 they're obviously at their but very much on the you know TV radio side of the club, but they're there, and I'm sure yeah. th they are going to be asked. You'd be stupid when you got those players walking around the stadium not to ask them anything. And let's not forget, before who the guy that Hooth is replacing is Dean Hammond. And yes, you, you, sorry, mate, carry on. 
No, I was just I was agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. that's how I yeah. And there's certain roles within a club that ex-players are just better at doing. And you know, they, they can, you know, Hammond before him and Hooth now. I mean, Hammond, let's be honest with you, he's not done a bad job, you know, Kieran Jewsbury Hall and uh, um Harvey Barnes loan deals. I mean, that would have been down to to to, to, to Hammond. Um I feel like I'm on top gear <laughs> down diamond. But you, you can look at those things as an next player and go, yeah, you know, I don't think that's going to be the right move for him. It's too far. He's too, you know what I mean? And it's, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to having Hooth back. Yes, I am as well. I, I mean, and again, sometimes you can make the devastating mistake of hiring the wrong ex-player into your coaching staff or your scouts and stuff or whatever role you give them. But Dean Hammond was very down to earth. He was mm. through that system. He's been through the divisions. So I think it's brilliant. I, you know, a bit like bringing Andy King back in the role, you'd maybe think if he's taken up steps, obviously we don't know. Andy King might have no interest in, in being a coach after football, but that would be a player that maybe in a couple of years' time Leicester might look at and say, look, give us your input and do it. It's great to see yeah. these great personalities back within the club. I think I, I'm almost certain Andy King is looking at that. Uh, and I think he's developing that with obviously yeah. Nigel Pearson at Bristol City. Um, yeah. He'd know Andy King in... on the back stick, wouldn't he? Because he was always there for a goal, Andy King, at the back stick. Yeah. <laughs> and he and was loyal as well. You know, yeah. That, yeah. that's the thing. Um, I, I love the fact the way that um, uh, Brendan Rodgers put the... I don't know which reporter it was when he was asked about, um, you know, identifying academy players. You know, if you only look at talent, I'm sure you could go to the local parks and pay four or five out. Again, we've, we've got to remember, and yeah, we did. We had, you know, one good, one bad result uh, with, the, with the youngsters during the week, but that is a way forward. We're not going to suddenly yeah. have nine youth players on the pitch. It isn't going to happen. You know, even Fergie and his babes didn't, you know, get that many on. But if we can develop our own talent, and this is one of the things that Rogers was brought in to identify and improve on, it is going to help with FFP. It is going to help with uh, transfer fees. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about homegrown players either. And, and again, people sometimes maybe get a bit carried away with the idea that homegrown means you suddenly have to have 25-man squad of homegrown youth players. No, we probably have the best percentage. Again, you, maybe if you exclude Man City because they're just hilarious as a club, how much money and, and intake of youth they get. But I would say we're probably up there as one of the highest percentage in converting youngsters into first-team players, especially over the last five or six seasons. Chilwell, Barnes, Dewsbury Hall. Um, even ones we've brought from other clubs that are naturally homegrown, but you can have Chowdhury to that list as well as a homegrown player. We've done really well per season. We've probably had two players make it into that team. Oh, yeah, mm. again, Chowdhury stays out alone. He's not really held down a place but Dewsbury all has. So at least we've got a 50% success rate mm. with these two, two to three youngsters that you're bringing through. So I would be, I'm very happy with the way Leicester have been doing and continue to do use their youth products. Because like you said, Chris, you know, we may, may retain 15 youngsters, but we may only ever see, if we're lucky, three of them be good enough or deemed good enough to even participate in the first team. And even then there's no guarantee that they're going to get in. I mean, Lewis Brunt hasn't featured for this season. I no. could be wrong, but he might be out on loan. 
But that was a youngster we've seen play. And that could be the next youngster we see come through the academy. With a few others as well. But that's the next game we're looking at. I, I don't think the I, I don't think I have seen a youth player actually come on, but I don't think it's been the season to do that. Do you no, know what I mean? Not. Because I think you'd, you'd have just destroyed their confidence. Um, and even Luke Young against Man United looked like you know the rabbit caught in the in the headlights, so to speak. But um, mm. but no, it, and of course Chilwell, fifty million. That was fifty million pure profit. Yes, okay. I know we developed him and we paid for that. And it's the same with Chowdhury. If he, you know Watford do buy him, and maybe that's his level. Uh, no disrespect, yeah. but. You know, and sometimes let's be honest with you, we we know players leave and do better at other teams, not just Leicester at any team. Um, but let's say we get 20 million for him, that's 20 million that we didn't pay out to get him in. So it helps yeah. the club all round. Um, I'll let you go now. Um, you know, you've got a, a nice a nice uh, family weekend ahead of you, but it is important if we if we make a mess up of this and Bournemouth have got the the, the voodoo over us. They're, they're mm. you know they're they're not our most successful. Um, last time we played them before they went down, we beat them three one. They beat us four uh, one, yes. which was an extremely forgettable game. But you know, if we do not make the most of this and we go back to how we were. Everybody be sat there, me included, going, well, they, they lifted it up for Forrest. They have to make the most of this because if we lose to, to Bournemouth, Forrest will mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, it'll just it'll undo all the work. And look, it's not going to be easy. I mean, I've kind of tongue-in-cheek said it, but it's quite true if you look at the records that Southampton and Bournemouth had since the 9-0 losses in them seasons. Mm. They haven't lost. They, they've had, uh, I think they've had a 1-1 draw. They beat um, Nottingham Forest have been two goals down and they've had, I think, two nil-nil. So it's going to be difficult to break them down. Mm. Gary O'Neill, you know, I mean, it worked with us for Shakespeare. He might be worth giving the contract too. They're probably going to look at a Sean Dyche sort of character to bring in more stability. But why, why change a good thing? And and, and mm. people might think, yeah, we've got to win, got to win, got to win. Not necessarily. You have to look at Bournemouth, respect them as they are, and know how difficult they've become in early doors to beat at home. And yes, the expectation will be on Leicester. But like you said, Chris, it, I think it's become it's just become slightly a game that you can look at and go, oh, wow. You know, if, if, if Bournemouth put 10 men behind the ball and sit out and are frustrating nil-nil, but we're all over them and we're, we're looking good, you can maybe go, all right, you've got, yeah. you put more pressure on the next game. But, you can't lose this game because, like you said, it's just detrimental and yeah. it won't matter what changes he made to the backroom staff. That would, again, put Rogers on the firing line. Yeah. 9 nil. it was, like you say, they lost to Liverpool. They then, after that, they drew nil nil with Wolves and that was a great result for them having just been stuffed 9 nil <laughs> to keep a clean sheet. Uh, they then beat Forest. Well done, Bournemouth. Love you. 3-2. After being 2 nil down, so... Uh, be careful. Then they drew with Newcastle at Newcastle, which was a good yeah. result for them. And then they drew with Brentford. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they sat in 13th, not bad form at all. Just going back to what you were saying, though, and we'll, we'll just to end on this, currently directly employed by the club, so I'm not talking about the TV people you know, and, and the pundits and what have you, but actually employed by the club. There's five players, ex-players, 
Huth has become the fifth one, although obviously Hammond was, was number five before that as loans manager. As you say, Sean St. Ledger, um, he has worked as a senior scout um, in, in Ireland. Um, he's also involved in coaching the Republic of Ireland youth teams and has coaching ambitions for the future. Emil Heskey, obviously we know, you know, having held a boardroom yeah. with Leicester City women, Heskey is now coaching both the women's and men's under-18 side. Uh, now then, a couple of players, and I'm going to test your memory here, Brad. Do, 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 do. Matt Goodwin. Uh, <laughs> I know he's a youngster that didn't quite work for him. Uh, I'm not, because I read the report and I, I um, mm. it might be the other one, but one of them was like a 17-year-old that, 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 that had was. his I'll, I'll, I'd give you the point if it was a quiz. No, uh, he right. was... the only time I could win a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> he retired age 17 in 2006 after serious knee injury. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, he received a uh, 20,000 payout from the PFA to compensate for his early retirement. And he now leads the under 12s to under 16s phase at Leicester City, having previously been assistant manager with the under 18s. But again, what a life story that he's got that he can give to players, which is make the most of it while you've got it, because you never know when this is going to be snatched away from you. You know. Yeah, exactly. And he's been working. Leicester have taken, have took him on board ever since that. You know, since he went through what he went through. This is what I mean. It's horrible to have a, a beautiful opportunity like this to represent the homegrown club and have it taken away with you probably for injuries. But what he can offer is that men, that mental prep for players. You know, if there's players that are going mm. for a rough time. Maybe Ricardo with his injury. I know he's older and he's more experienced, mm. but still it's a mental toll. So to have someone like that is really beneficial in the club with the mental health problems that, and the situation with the world at the moment. I think it's ideal that clubs have a player like that that can go, look, I thought I was down and out, but you want to work on all your games. If you want to be a coach, do it. And, and he can take them through that journey. You have the youngsters and he can do it the experience. And he can help them overcome dogged looks. So I'm all for these two former youth Leicester City Academy players being a part of our backroom stuff because I think they're vital to, to football clubs these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, you've uh, gone then, as soon as you got your point there, name the other one. Oh, you horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it Boros or Boros or something like that? No. No. Ah, I no, no. Think, think of think of a cop show from the seventies uh, and eighties. Beverly Hills Cop. That's the only you're going to get from me. I can't think. Hey. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, "Oh, Leon Husky or Leon Starsky, whatever, and what have you." Leon uh, McSweeney. Oh God! Um, I don't know. Yeah. Signed as a player from Cork City. Um, so he was, he was a bit of a floater. Hey. Oh, hey. Um, uh, back in 2001, but spent two years with reserves at Leicester and was released without making a first team appearance. He is now assistant manager for the under 21s, working closely with manager Ben Petty. He has also held the role of player liaison officer for the youngsters aged 17 to 23. He is another figure who is well liked in the academy setup. So 
it's all it's all i mean though the, you want those players in don't you you know yeah it was sad of things not to get copyright here but the future's bright the future's leicester isn't it, it sounds like a very positive yes. attitude in towards our integration yeah. of youngsters and, I, I, and, that, and that's something that as a as a you know back in the 90s and 2000s wasn't really that heard of the, the youngsters were given a bit of a hard time weren't they they were given lots mm. of strenuous things and the pressures with youngsters make or break at that age and their education as well it's great to have that sort of experience and, and, and know-how to help them go through it and, and, and make it an easier transition for them so mm. i'm very happy with it yeah terry says here no morgan yet I have to be honest with you, Terry. I would sooner have Hooth back in the club than Morgan, simply because Hooth has been further in the game than Morgan has. Yeah, there is that. And also, he's kind of become our little Sky correspondent, hasn't it? Yeah, you always... I've seen him probably more times in this, in this season on the TV being asked questions about us or on Sky or BT or whatever it is the game's on. I've seen him on there as a representation, a representative of Leicester, and I probably did him to see the press interviews when he was club captain. So maybe mm. there's a job further down the line. Maybe it's something he can maybe join Heskey and work the women's side of things, and maybe go into the youth himself because he had his struggles at, at, at Forest, didn't he? So he yes. could, maybe that's it. But I would rather if you got if you said to me you can sign one or the other in terms of backroom staff, as much as I love them both. Uh, I, I'm also going to pick Hooth over, uh, uh, over Morgan at this point. Um, but yeah, find a room for him somewhere else. At the moment, he seems to be our little, you know, who we're going to get, who we're going to give a phone call because Leicester are on Sky. Well, we'll give mm. Wes Morgan a call. So yeah, I'm happy for him to take a bit of a time out and backseat from football. I have to remember, mm. he only, he only um, retired not too long ago from playing football. So, you know, Hooth's had a few more years out of the game as well. Yes, yeah. Um, to take over from Birch says Terry. I I just don't know. I just. <sighs> I think if you're going to give that to anybody, you're going to give that to somebody who's very sentimental towards Donald Birch. Is so Leicester. Yeah. He is Mister Leicester. He's more Leicester than Gary Lineker, for Christ's sake. And that's yeah. saying something. Yeah. You can see yeah. that. I just I think that he, you know, it, it wasn't even a, a Leicester born and bred. I, I, no. I personally would like to, again, I know he wants to probably go into coaching, but I'd like to see Andy King in that role. Yeah, someone like that, maybe a Muzzy, is it? You know, because he never wanted to leave Leicester. It was only because we really financially could not hold on to him after that relegation too. A player like that, Steve Walsh, maybe, could take that role yes. up. I think he yeah. loves it. You know, and I think that's the sort of persona that Leicester have given that role to. And, and, and if you're going to replace Birch, you need that same persona. So like Steve Walsh, the defender, not the coach, mm. uh, yeah. you know, or a Muzzy, is it? Or maybe even a Matt Piper. We know his love for the club, whether you like him as a player or not. It's, it's, it's yeah. your opinion. It's got to be that personality that follows up yes. and that's what the ambassador rules for yeah indeed indeed well thank you very much brad um your brother's birthday tomorrow so have a great weekend um i it is I tomorrow like isn't it. It? It, it it is it, it is, is tomorrow, yeah maybe if we do when we're doing the tactic show sunday morning guys look out for a, a brad with a hangover uh, yeah, the phone might be upside down, and I might be as well. Yeah, <laughs> I did say it is Brad. Brad is bringing his plus one along, and that's a hangover. Um, 
a matter of opinion has changed. It is now top 10 battles, and you launch next week. So check it out if you haven't already. Um, launch. Sorry? The launch is this week. Is it this it's week? Sorry, the launch is this week, Thursday. Uh, do do don't don't go live because I want you to be live watching my show. But do catch up with it afterwards. Is at the same time <laughs> and um, football get ground. Get two screens, people. Get two screens, people. Get get get. Yeah, Chris on the other way. Do it on two screens. The links below yeah. in the description. So please check it out. Thanks a lot, Brad. Have a good time with your family. I'll see you Sunday morning. See you Sunday morning with a hangover, mate. Yeah, yeah well, it's going to be a loud one. <laughs> See you then. Take care. <laughs> Take bye bye. Thanks a lot. Oh, I hope he has a good time. Uh, I'm sure the odd beverage will flow down uh, through his lips. Um, don't forget, we've got this coming up. In a world where cat videos and memes rule the feeds. One media company will rise above the noise. Something is coming. Something big. Oh, behave. I don't understand what's going on here. And now for something completely different. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. Be afraid. Be very afraid. You've got to explain to the viewers that, uh, you know, during the war, the, uh, the German uh, fighter plane was a, was a German fucker wolf. He said, that's is correct, Damon, but these fuckers were Messerschmitt. <laughs> we are going to build up to the World Cup with Elton and Stan. Oh, my God, it's going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to be a pre-record. And if you know Stan, you'll know why. I'm sure he'll have something to say about the Germans. Thanks for watching. If you're not subbed, please do. If you are subbed, please smash the likes. It does does help uh, the, the station grow. We're going to be back at 9 o'clock with the Bournemouth Review. So I will see you in just over an hour and a half. Time to go and have a quick rub down with the Daily Mail. And I will see you back here at 9. Thanks for watching. And if you're on your podcast, thanks for listening and lending me your ears. You can have them back now. See you later. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time. Lester Till I Die TV. They think it's all over. It is now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. 
Ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Uh, participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.